Major support for Carolina Business Review provided by Grant Thornton. Operating in more than 100 countries, our tax audit and advisory professionals specialize in helping companies unlock their growth potential. Colonial Life, providing benefits to employees to help them protect their family, their finances, and their futures. High Point University, the premier life skills university, focused on preparing students for the world as it is going to be. And Sonoco, a global manufacturer of consumer and industrial packaging products and provider of packaging services with more than 300 operations in 35 countries. It has been talked about much, and that is the state of many people's and organizations' mental wellness. It started as mental health, but now it is more about fatigue. It is about how we are responding to one another and the world around us during this COVID-19 crisis. I am Chris William, and in a moment, we meet some experts from the head of HR at a Fortune 500 company to a local counselor about the effects of this public health care crisis on our psyche, on our business, our families, and our world in general. And we hope you stay with us because we start now. Gratefully acknowledging support by Martin Marietta, a leading provider of natural resource-based building materials, providing the foundation upon which our communities improve and grow. Blue Cross Blue Shield of South Carolina, an independent licensee of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Association. Visit us at SouthCarolinaBlues.com. The Duke Endowment, a private foundation enriching communities in the Carolinas through higher education, healthcare, rural churches, and children's services. Bearings, a leading global asset management firm dedicated to meeting the evolving investment and capital needs of its clients. Learn more at Bearings.com. On this edition of Carolina Business Review, Jennifer Weber, Chief Human Resources Officer of ADM, Derwin Gray, Pastor of Transformation Church, Mike Vaughn, Co-Founder of Sure Hope Counseling, and Dr. Cynthia Ackrell, Stress Mastery Strategist. Happy holidays. To say this is a unique moment in time is probably an understatement. We are glad to have the four of you all. Welcome to you all. Happy holidays. Jennifer Weber, I, I want to start with you. You sit at the top of an organization, not a small company. Uh, HR tends to be a much more clinical button-down way of looking at all of those things that have to do with personnel. Uh, Jennifer, ask you this question, and this is a much more softer science question. What have we learned these last few months about ourselves, what has been revealed about ourselves and about our, our structure either within a company or our social structure about ourselves during this healthcare uh, crisis? Sure, I, you know, I think, um, Chris, I think one of the, the, the biggest learnings over these past several months have been the fact that, you know, a lot of times as HR professionals, we think about things in terms of pro programmatic solutions uh, to support our employees, to support their health and well-being. And I think one thing that has revealed itself is how connected uh, physical health and mental health are. And the fact that you can't always take a programmatic approach to these things. In fact, you've got to make sure that leaders, and I, and I actually think leaders across organizations are particularly vulnerable at this time because they're more prone to internalizing stress, um, masking their own challenges so that they can keep the spirits up of their teams. You know, that's, that's the, the veneer oftentimes of, of leaders that we see. And I think what we've learned is 
we shouldn't be doing that at a time like this. In fact, we need to be human. We need to be relatable. We need to make sure that our people understand that we are struggling as much as um, ever all of our colleagues are and that we've got to take care of ourselves. The other thing that I think has become far more pronounced um, and, our, and our people, right, and make sure that they do have the availability of resources to support them through this. They're leaning on their colleagues, they're leaning on their family members. Um, they're, they're availing themselves of resources that companies do provide, but none of that replaces the social interaction that we as human beings crave because it, it, it fosters a sense of belonging, a deep sense of belonging in each of us. And so we, you know, one of the things that, that we've learned is we've got to make sure that we're, we're creating those connections with our people day in and day out. And in this, this remote virtual world, um, it's been a real challenge. Right? And so, and the other thing too, that I think we've had to be mindful of as, as leaders of organizations is that the line to some degree always becomes blurred between work and home and work and personal life, mm -hmm. but it's really blurred now, right? So for the people who are not required, we have a large percentage of our workforce. We're very global, we're, we're all over, 60% of our workforce is outside of the United States. And well over half of our workforce has no other option than to go into our manufacturing facilities every day to keep this critical food supply chain going and humming along. And so we've got, we've got that part of our workforce, but we've also got our office employees who are very remote mm -hmm. and the lines are being blurred between family life and work. So we've had to get creative about how we give some reprieve, how we give some break breaks to people and how we um, stimulate some of the informal interactions and sense of belonging that people crave at a time like this. Dr. So Ackerell, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Jennifer. Uh, yeah, no, those are some of the things. Yeah, Dr. Ackerell, how, how, what has that revealed about us? You, you, you just heard, Jennifer, what else? I think this is really a pivotal point, an opportunity right now to start to look at how humans really perform and what they need to be at their best. And our human capital is our most important capital. And we've developed a society that isn't necessarily brain or human friendly in the workplace. Um, by no fault of our own, it was all with good intention, but the habits that we've created don't support people really being in touch with their physical and mental health. We give up a lot to succeed, especially the leaders who've gone the furthest. They've learned to succeed by giving things up. And we've hit that point where it's just not working anymore. And I'm really hoping that there's a gift out of this horrible, horrible situation where we start to look mm -hmm. more in terms of what do we need to be at our best? Can we talk about energy needs without emotional charges to them or without shaming? Can we talk about being vulnerable and asking for what we need and making work something that it supports the best of us? Uh, Dr. Gray, and Mike, I promise, just just follow on here in a second. But, but but Dr. Gray, this is not meant to be ironic. But is this a secular change in the way that we interact with each other? And I'm asking a faith leader that question because how does that factor in? Yeah, you, you know, I, I think the points that have been made have been 100% accurate. And I would just like to add that I believe the pandemic has showed us how fragile we actually are. Uh, particularly in the American ethos, we, we pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and uh, we're, we're successful and we're trying. And what the pandemic has done is it has revealed 
um, that mental health has always been a deep, deep issue in our country, but it's been stigmatized and you're seen as weak if you struggle with mental health. And so I think what the pandemic has done is it has allowed us to slow down and to say, you know, uh, actually I'm not fine because fine stands for frustrated, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. And we have to redefine what is success. And I think if we can redefine what success is, and that has more to do with how do I love, how do I serve, but also how do I make sure that I'm not living on empty. And so one of the first things that I learned as a pastor, because we started our church in the recession of 2008, is I found myself just always on empty and I sense God saying, this is not su su success. Success is not always being tired. Success is not always trying to accomplish and accumulate more. And so I think our fragility has been exposed. And I do believe there is this great spiritual desire that, that we want. Like, so we try to work for affirmation. But for those of us, like I'm a former NFL player, nothing's ever enough. The minute you win the Super Bowl, they ask you, can you do it again? And so we live a performance-based life searching for affirmation. And so I do think that this time allows us to say, what does it actually mean to be a human being and how can we be successful? And I think that if we love and serve and take care of ourselves, we can actually become more productive and also to be honest about our mental well-being because one in five people in America have mental illness. Every 30 or so seconds um, per day, a military veteran is taking their lives. And so this is a crisis and we, we so desire to achieve, but I'm just wondering if we're running the wrong race and the race should actually be, how do we love each other and how do we lo love ourselves? And I think we can be more productive that way. Mike, is there some level, is there some tipping point we are approaching here? People feel, I'm not telling anybody anything, but many people feel anxious. They feel like the other shoe's going to drop and it's going to get worse, or it's going to, I'm really going to lose my job, or et cetera, et cetera. So I guess, how do you unpack everything we've talked about so far? Yeah, I, I mean, I love what's being said. I, I think that not only are anxiety rates, depression rates going up during this pandemic, but unfortunately not, uh, you know, suicide rates are up and even suicide ideation, you know, the, even thinking about suicide, particularly in our young people uh, and our elderly people are really, really struggling. And so, I mean, what we're talking about today is critical. And, you know, what I would add to this discussion, I think, is not only is mental health, you cannot be mentally healthy if you are not physically and spiritually healthy, pure and simple, bottom line. It just, it's three parts of one system, right? It's not, they're not, parts are disconnected. And so that's a, that's a component of what I'm frequently talking about with people. But I think in addition to that, to me, what the pandemic is exposing about our society, and this I think follows what Dr. Gray is talking about, is we have a real lack of community in our society. We, we are, we're too isolated. We're not together enough. And we know that as we kind of carry each other's burdens, that's how we get through this life. And yet we tend to, I think, too often do things on our own. So I'm frequently talking to people about how well they, 
well, how well connected they are to others. Mm -hmm. I think community is a big part of this. Now, community requires vulnerability. And just to kind of speak to what Jennifer said for a moment, um, you know, there's thankfully in the business world, even there's some good writing out there around what it means to be a vulnerable leader. Right. Mm -hmm. So leadership from a different perspective. Brene Brown's written a lot about this mm -hmm. and others have, too. And I, I love that because I think it applies to our business world as well as our personal lives, you know, when we are vulnerable with one another in healthy ways, not only are we able to help others, but others help us. And I think we all see a reduction in our stress, in our anxiety, in our depression rates, even suicide rates would be less if we would do this in a more effective manner. But not only that, from a business perspective, I think it would very much translate into the business world to the degree that we could do it. Yeah. You know, Please, I, I would add to that just to bring, bring together what Mike said and what and and what Dr. Gray said because I think that um, I think what what we are too willing to sacrifice community in ways in which we foster intentionally foster a sense of belonging because of what Dr. Gray identified around our quest for success our quest for delivering results you know and and i i agree that it this is a this is a pivotal moment i think cindy said that this is a really pivotal moment where we have an opportunity to redefine um, and i think i think that i hope what happens out of this is that our perspective on things permanently changes and and we, and we think about we think about the whole being you know spiritual physical mental and we don't take any of those things for granted because I think this period of isolation for so many of us has taught us that that is by far one of the most important things of our life in our life is to surround ourselves with people who lift us up, who we love, who love us. And, and that, that, that by far is the most important thing and not any kind of quest for perpetual success or delivering results because we're never we're never satisfied we never get to that destination we're seeking right and so let's let's get to the destination where we are in, in terms of sense of belonging in our communities okay so, go ahead on that. Yeah. Be, because that's actually wired into our physiology our brain's number one job is our safety Number two is our satisfaction. And number three is social connection. It's part of our nervous system. So when we don't have it, we are not safe and we cannot perform at our best. We cannot be well. And what is, was brought up before about the mental health rates, there's also the physical, they are together. They're completely together. 70 to 90% of doctor's visits have to do with stress in some way, shape, or form. So this is really critical to our well-being. Well, okay. Well, uh, uh, let me ask the pastor among us, uh, Cindy, as you just described how we're wired. Pastor Gray, aren't we called to be, and I'm sorry, I don't want to get too ethereal here, but aren't we called to be higher selves than just how we're wired? Well, well so, 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 um, to add to that, what I would say is there has to be a fundamental shift. And of course, as a pastor, I, I believe God gives us this gift of grace is that we can be around people, but still not be connected to people because we view people as a stepping stone to the next thing. We view people as resources to be used instead of image bearers of God to be loved. And so from my background, not only as a pastor, but as a professional 
athlete, the best football teams I played on were teams where guys actually loved each other and wanted the best for them. And so I think there has to be this shift because before I became a pastor, I wanted to sell mutual funds. I was ready to work on Wall Street. That was like my deal, man. I was the kid from the ghetto. I seen trading uh, places with Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd. I'm like, I'm going to trade futures. I don't even know what futures are, but I want to wear nice suits. And so when I played in the NFL, that's what I did in the offseason was internships. And what I quickly began to see is that people – instead of image bearers were dollar signs. And so I think if we can begin to say, no, I am my brother and sister's keeper. Jesus said it best, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And notice that he uses the label neighbor, because when you see everyone as your neighbor, there's a connectivity to, I wanna do what's best for them. And so I do believe that this is a spiritual crisis. The human heart is going to worship something. And I think what the pandemic has done is it's like stripped our false idols and we find ourselves going, oh my gosh, I may not have a job or oh my gosh, I may not have the career or oh my gosh, my health. And, and what I'm hoping is that it would move us to a deeper spirituality which leads to loving people, valuing people, caring for pe people. Some of the most powerful words that you can say to someone that is mm -hmm. suffering is, I love you and I'm present. Uh, Mike, so as you've heard that conversation from Dr. Gray, Derwin, um, and others, Mike, will all, are we willing to change when we're staring into uncertainty and the abyss as we I don't want to be overstate this, but if we get a vaccine, if there is some promise of going back to how we were before this, are we just going to snap back to old patterns? That's always, I think, a temptation, but um, I actually don't think that's going to be the case by and large, because I think that this is a big enough shift in our society and a long enough shift in our society. I mean, let's keep in mind that we're now at, what, nine months or so, right, that this has been going on somewhere in that neighborhood, right, and it will continue to go on for some time more, and I think that the length of time of this, I actually hope, will create the shift that we're all talking about today, and I think that it will. People do change, and they especially change in the face, a lot of times, of crisis or otherwise being unsettled and unseated from the place that they have been, right? Like, we all can so easily get into these ruts and we just keep doing the same thing and the same thing, even though we may know that there's something better for us to be doing or a better way for us to live. Like we were talking about, maybe it's better and it is for us to be better connected to one another, to be more vulnerable, to be more aware of our mental and physical and spiritual health. And so I think that this is a large enough um, issue in our society that we are seeing a shift already in the way that people are doing things. So I'm very hopeful about that. I just, I hope and would pray that it continues even when a vaccine comes. And yes, things hopefully will return to a different kind of normal. I don't think there's going, 
we're going back to the normal of what was before all of this, quite frankly. But I think that could be a good thing. So I want, I want to you know, make sure I say that from a hopeful perspective, because I think within this is a grand opportunity for all of us to evaluate and to do things differently than we did before. Je Jennifer, so, you know, the C-suite always has this, this kind of this mysticism that, gosh, these, some of these guys and these ladies are rock stars that run these big companies and even these mid-sized companies. But I want to come back to so the conversation so far you even said it earlier that you that you see a change in leadership do you do you genuinely expect that there will be a kinder gentler more benevolent way that leadership in some of the largest corporations now lead and interact with the team I, I do. I do. I'll tell you one thing that I'm really proud of um, is that uh, we're having these organization, we're having these um, employee and organizational health discussions as a senior leadership team. We're devoting time to it um, where we're, we're pausing and we're saying, who are we worried about? Who are our most vulnerable colleagues? What are we doing? Are we doing enough? How else can we support them? And I, I do, I mean, it's my, if I have anything to do with it, which I do, I sit in a position where I can influence as heavily as a, as a head of HR. Um, I, I, there, I want there to be a sustainable improvement, ongoing sustainable improvement in the focus that leaders and the C-suite gives to organizational health. And that means mental health, that means uh, physical health, that means spiritual health, however you define the greater good and the higher, you know, however you worship, however you define spiritual health, that there's, a, that there's more of a focus on, on what creates a healthy culture, work environment, dynamic, and what is incumbent upon us as leaders to make sure we're creating the conditions and the climate that allows um, physical and mental health to uh, to, to thrive and, and that we're, we're paying attention to these things. We actually had a very specific intentional discussion around we're worried about our frontline employees. You know, they face concerns over income and health care and many of them are in rural areas where access to quality health care becomes challenged around the globe. Um, employees who are caregivers, caring for elderly, caring for their own children and being caught in the middle in terms of, um, you know, maybe sacrificing their own physical and mental well-being at a time like this. And then our single colleagues, right, who don't have that natural outlet of social interaction that they were once accustomed to. And so they've got, they've, they're, they're isolated, they're lonely. And then our leaders, you know, paying attention to all that. So I really hope that organizations sustain this focus and this dialogue and this priority. I don't think there's anything more important, honestly. Dr. Ackrell, do you think their organizations will sustain it? Do you think it, I'm not going to say die on the vine, but again, if a vaccine comes along, does it become a second or third tier priority then? I think that's a big challenge. Um, I think something Jennifer just said is really important about asking the right questions now. And it's really going to be critical for leadership to carry this forward and make sure they're asking the questions that go with with what Dr. Gray was saying, we're most motivated by purpose. So are we asking what matters to the people? Are we asking what they need, what matters to them and changing the conversations from leadership where you solve every problem to you're leading the people in what really matters and they can move forward. People are amazingly resilient, but it's going to take a lot of conversation. Yeah, I, um, I was just about to say, uh, we need a purpose that is beyond dollar signs. 
we need a purpose beyond uh, shareholder improvement. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I've got a 401k. I love investing. But I just simply think that healthy people do things better. And when we talk about culture, culture is a set of behaviors in an organization that doesn't just allow you to survive, but to actually thrive and flourish. And, and so one of the things that Jesus talks about in the Beatitudes is what does a flourishing life look like? And he talks about things like being merciful, being a peacemaker, being humble, uh, being poor in spirit, which, which means God reliant. But it's like the opposite things that we hear to be successful, right? Jesus like turns the world upside down and he's saying, well, success really looks like this and nice gals and girls actually do finish first. It may look different than what the world says is successful, but personally in my own life and through 20 years of counseling, um, I have never had a very successful person go, you know, man, I'm so successful, but my kids are this and my marriage yeah. is this and I'm this, yeah. but man, the money sure is great. They would trade it all for peace. They would trade it all for a purpose. And so I do think there is this beautiful interconnectivity. And um, Jennifer, my son wants to do HR because he's like, this is how I can influence and affect people to not only be productive in their jobs, but that their lives are actually better than their jobs. One of the things that I, I, I say is this. Is We've I don't got about want 20 seconds, Dr. Ray. Okay. I don't, I don't want the best part of my life to be a sermon. I want it to be a life lived. Uh, well said. That'll be the last word. I, I can't thank you all enough. I know it's, it's, it pushes you outside your comfort zone to talk about those spiritual aspects. Uh, Derwin, maybe not you, but the rest of you, thank you for, uh, for being that willing to do it. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for watching. Uh, certainly our, our level best uh, holiday wishes. Stay safe. Thank you for watching. And until next week, I'm Chris William. Good night. Major funding for Carolina Business Review provided by High Point University, Martin Marietta, Colonial Life, The Duke Endowment, Bearings, Grant Thornton, Sonoco, Blue Cross Blue Shield of South Carolina, and by viewers like you. Thank you.